0: Welcome to the Business Design Podcast.
1: I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And the Business Design Podcast searches all over the US and all over the world for the most interesting and talented folk we can find that have interesting and challenging things to tell us. Today, we're going to Drew Carey country, Cleveland, Ohio. We're going to talk about cats, catalysts,
0: to Craig. Craig. So lots of sees in Cleveland, yeah. And um, to be honest, Craig James, you know, challenged our thinking here, which is fun. We love that. We love just um, kind of we
1: trafficking in ideas together. Is that a good term? That's a great term. Certainly better than trafficking in drugs. Although sometimes ideas can be drugs, and drugs are good kind. <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> That's know what to rock. say after that. So here's our interview with Craig James. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. Craig, nice to talk to you again. I like that you take um, small parts of words and kind of brand them, highlight them, color them. Because you've got, of course, your company, CatStrat. And then you've got on the, the front page of the site, you're, it's the, what is it, re and And all kinds of you know pop outs from within words, so mm. what what do um I don't know syllables uh mean to you like uh, breaking things down into their elements?
2: That's very perceptive, uh Kent, and thank you for thank you for asking. I think that the the first part of the answer to the question is that it's about valuing words, you know the power of words. And whether we use the first syllable or the first part or an abbreviation or a big long word, the key is appreciating the operational definition of the word. Uh, I think we operate in assumption quite often. Uh, we do a lot of strategic planning and the word strategy, goal, objective, tactic, action, mission, vision, all these popular words mean usually something different to everybody. And <laughs> They're often in the same room or same Zoom call and they're all making assumptions around what that word means. So words are important at the root level to really know what we're talking about. Otherwise, we get off on tangents and assumptions lead to other assumptions and perhaps misunderstandings. In terms of CatStrat, um, well, that was an accident, really. It wasn't a plan. Our firm, Catalyst Strategies, has deep meaning and purpose to be catalytic, get out, to help with strategy indeed. But it's hard to spell, it's hard to remember, it's hard to pronounce, it's hard to type. And so people, clients, started calling us CatStrat for short, and it stuck. Nice. You want
0: to talk about the read part? You should talk about the re part, but I'm curious about the cat part first. Before So before you go into the re, you go into the cat. Do you do you get people saying, I'm a dog lover, I'm not going to hire you? Oh, we get all kinds of feline references, my friend.
2: Most certainly, it usually lightens things up. For the most part, um, the, the cat references are limited because we have a little track record. And so being around for 20 years, people in our network... Uh, know us and those that don't know us get introduced usually by people that do know us and they they're pretty quick to say cat strat meaning cat as in catalyst not as in little furry creatures so the cat parts the catalyst part
1: and not as in catastrophic <laughs> cataclysmic
0: <laughs> strategies how to destroy everything i was going to say your your um your next product should be called uh cat strat fever Oh, see, I mean, thank you for that
2: insight. I'll have you know, that's not the first time that's been heard either. Nice. nice uh, it's it's nice. not only been said to us, it's been sung to us. And Ooh. I won't attempt to do that. But yes, people will sing Cat's Strat Fever to us. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. I had a, a, a client friend advisor once say, ah, change it. It's just, uh, you know, it's not serious enough. And, you know, we thought about it and then we thought about not changing it. It's stuck and it's got some history and it... It, it's emblematic you know we're we're serious as a firm but uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously so what about the re d so the l e a d uh, the lead the re the reinvent the whole idea of re is what we're going through now it's such an interesting time it, it's almost old news to talk about change it's almost strange to say, Oh, a lot of change is happening. Everyone's talking about it. What's really interesting about this moment in history is change itself has changed and is changing. So it's not about the change itself. It's about the change process that's so different right now. And so the need to reinvent, the need to reboot, the need to restart, the need to reflect is more important than ever before. So I love talking about change. We can hit on that for a second if you like.
1: Sure, let's do that. Let's go there first. Let's go there first. What the
2: heck? Yeah, yeah. So here's what's elusive, is change itself can change. And what's different now are a number of things about how change is happening. Now, I'm gonna gonna be a bad guy because I'm a podcast host and it's irresistible for me to ask questions. So I'm gonna reverse roles for a second. If you were to think about how change has changed, what do you guys think? What's different about change now than not too long ago, let's say 2 years ago? I don't have any in my pocket. Don't have any change in your pocket. I like that. And you know that's funny you say that. That itself has changed. When have you when's the last time you've used the currency cash or change? It's really something Don Tapscott was one of my guests and he he thinks money, physical cash
0: currency uh, will just go away, especially now.
2: So no. I, mean, it's I not about th- and
0: men's men's wallets don't have a change purse in the US. You know, in Europe they still have the big old change purse in there, but, but not here. Yeah. No. So no change purses and no change in
2: your pocket. What else do you think? Randy? The new normal changes every 3 days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The pace, the pace of change is one of the primary things. And not only the pace, but the abrupt nature of it. So we had an event last week called What Now? And it was all about how we make decisions and what's different today. And one of our guests was Dr. Tony McCaffrey. He's an educator. They got a call like on a Monday and said, guess what? Next Monday, all your, in, you know, all your classrooms are going virtual. So he, he explained how not only how quick that was, but how abrupt. Not do it slightly different, not give it a tweak, not an incremental change. Turn it upside down in a week. A friend of mine who's an executive coach of Coaches, we were talking yesterday, and he still cites March 12th, 2020. He was in line for an HR conference, and he was working the event at the same time. So he's aware of the dynamics and what's going on. He said, you literally heard the text messages pinging where CEOs were telling their HR directors, because this was a conference of HR folks, to get back. Just bag the conference. It's all over. Come back. We've got to reinvent how we work tomorrow and they were yanked back to the office so the abrupt nature of change right now is I think something that's had Not only a situational and business impact, um, but it's it's sort of um, it's it's been an emotional human thing too. We've all gone through like a little shell shock, and the shell shock's over, but we're still looking around saying, "What just happened? And what now?" So there's there's all kinds of things that are, are different about change. Another another thing that's happening now is I think you could argue sort of the seismic and systemic element of the change. You know, it's like multi-dimensional. It's not just the economy, it's not just healthcare, it's not just business, it's all the above. And it's not gonna be just, oh, this will be a flash in the pan. I think we're gonna see change that sustains. And if we look back to the Spanish flu 100 plus years ago, it wasn't just the tragedy of lots of people dying, and that happened for sure. But views of society, views on sexuality, everything, shifted at a systemic level so it's a pretty interesting time right now so we need to reboot rethink reinvent
1: okay so so craig i i confess to being just a little disappointed with with where this interview has gone and for our listeners just just so you know we were talking before we started recording the podcast about you know weird is good and uniqueness and Craig assured us that he was different, but what I'm hearing right now is an interesting take on a normal subject. So, Craig, I would love to understand why you think you're an interesting or weird or fascinating person.
2: Well, thanks for that. And I'm glad you're disappointed because I grew up in sales. And if you're in a sales call or giving a sales presentation, you're not getting objections and everything's nice, you're in trouble. you right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, I've got you engaged and I've got you curious. And I appreciate that. I think, I, you know, I think there's a double, n- not a double negative, but a contradiction here. I think the interesting thing about being different or weird or quirky is is not what it used to be. Back to changing change. The things that are unique about someone yesterday is normal today and vice versa. So, in some ways, I think what is maybe unique... About me, and you're trying to get a sense for the individual, and I appreciate that. Is the fact that there are some things that are different and quirky and unique. I'm very individualistic. I am usually looking at things with a different lens and a different angle, yet at the same time, I'm also not some zany guy. I in more about challenging other people to find their gifts and be different and unique and powerful. And in that sense, that's very boring, but it's impactual. It's meaningful. And so this, is, this gets into the executive coaching side of, of what I do and what my wife and business partner and I do for a number of years. And in coaching, it's not about me. It's not about me being some special wizard or answer man or so uniquely different that it's compelling to listen to everything I say. I mean, I think I've got good ideas. More importantly, I ask good questions. As a coach, you find a way to get selfless, not full of self. And so, what might be different but same, little contradiction I realize, is the fact that I focus on bringing uh, what's different out of other people and as a coach. Uh, one of the mistakes you can make is to be prescriptive and have all the answers. I trust that that greatness is in others, and it's a unique thing. If I'm going to leave this planet um, in some period of time, it's going to get closer and closer. I want to do something meaningful, and that's through
0: others, not through me. So the second the second half of your company website, the Cat Strat Strat reminds me as a somebody who comes from music world uh, Stratocaster, right? It's so a Strat yeah so amazing thing about stratocasters and the early electric guitars when they came out was that they just made guitarists louder because guitarists couldn't do much except chop chop right so the the stratocaster plus the amplifier creates a lot more impact for that instrument and gives it brings it up to the sort of even level to the other instruments and has made it into something that hendrix could use and everybody else right so I'm interested in hearing kind of, you are that, you know, I always say that Randy and I are like the rhythm section, you know, bass player and drums for people, right? Mm. You, you step out front, we'll make you sound good. Mm. In that sense, as a coach, as somebody behind the scenes, as someone who's helping others to be great, what is your role? What is the pocket? What is your riff? What's your instrument? What's the strat of, of your business?
2: What a cool way to ask a question. Thanks. Well, you, you use the root Strat from strat, and, and that's for strategies. Um, and I will answer it without referencing strategy right now. I think the impact of helping others be great to do their work, to find their art. I'll repeat the major tool, the mechanism is, and are the right questions. It's essential. It's essential as a coach. To hold space, that's the popular language, to allow people to find their own wisdom and to, in many ways, back to the rething, give people the opportunity, and I'll say permission, give themselves permission, the opportunity to reflect. Today, right now, back to change. Everything's so fast and demanding, coming at us, not initiated by us, that there is very little time. To stop and think. That's one of our catchphrases, taking the time to stop and think. I interviewed a fellow named uh, Lawrence Gonti uh, for the podcast. Fascinating fellow. Now he makes the stuff that goes into the stuff that's a nanoparticle that's like glass and plastic combined that goes into the stuff that makes the vials that the vaccine goes into before it goes into your arm. And here's a guy who had a hundred team members one month, 550 A couple months later one building one month four buildings a couple months later produced 10 million vials a year and then suddenly 110 million vials all this happened in a matter of a few weeks (laughs) i'm i'm in your shoes i'm the host and i'm saying lawrence i dare i ask but why i didn't say like why are you wasting your time with me but like why are we here? I can't imagine you have time to some guy named Craig asking you a bunch of questions. and you know, meanwhile, you're trying to juggle the impossible. And he said, Craig, because this is a gift to me. I haven't had a chance to stop and reflect. So this is a joy, and it's the most important hour I can spend. So back to your question. How do you how do you use the superpowers of being a, a coach to help people be super? Uh, it sounds simple. It doesn't sound so exotic. Back to your comment, Randy, it's like I want something different and zany. It's not. It's powerful though, to ask the right questions, to hold the space and believe it or not, slow it down. Now I listen to some of your interviews with other guests and the, 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 the need for action. I'm not I'm not against implementation, hardly. However, activity in different directions without direction is a waste of energy. And so it's a combination. It's got to be both. It's interesting.
1: You talk about a gap finding space, and your company name has that hyphen in the center, which is often the space between two events. I've always loved that that poem about the space between, you know, born in 1927, died in 1985. And the space between the years is what's important. If I look at the name of your business, Cat Strat, the space between catalyst and strategy is the thinking time that you're talking about, finding time, finding space to, to get it right. So that's the first thing I really like that. You have a challenge, though, because you're competing with a whole lot of 26 year old people out there that have done a three day coaching program call themselves qualified, certified coaches who are out there selling their services and they don't have the knowledge and experience that you have. How do you feel about them doing that and how do you counteract that? So there's a two-part
2: question there. How do I feel about Mm it? Maybe you're also asking, what do I think and how do I compete with? Okay, well, I'll start with the last first. Sure. Um, I don't compete with it. And that sounds flip. I don't mean to be cocky in any way. It just happens to be, you know, as much as we've worked on the strategy side, on the consulting side with big companies and process and systems and metrics and technologies, when it comes to our coaching, especially, it's old-fashioned word of mouth. And so experience and reputation and referral and recommendation is our business model. And that almost sounds totally unsophisticated again. uh, again, Not very different. We, We do sophisticated stuff when we're doing sales and business Development coaching and consulting, but when it comes to our executive coaching practice, it comes to us. And so you just make you make it known, and you have a reputation, and one client leads to the next. In terms of you're asking about other coaches and competing, and specifically you mentioned 26 year old. So I think there's a, a, a two part thing going on here. How do I feel about the younger generation overall? I think might be behind your question because I've that listened was to of it. I've listened to your other episodes and that comes up quite often especially from mm-hmm. you randy yes um I, you know i think who was it oh gosh was it a fellow named steve i think and he said wonderfully and he was very humble he said oh i had a thought until you said what do i offer to them what do i bring to the younger generation and and uh, i think the answer is to ask that question and also what can we get from so I think there's there's an old you know an old thinking around the old folks and the experienced elders have all the answers, and and no doubt there's no replacement to experience. However, I quote someone else again, Don Tapscott. He wrote uh, "Growing Up Digital," I believe is the right title, and he talked about the generation lap instead of the generation gap. Said the future is defined by those that are like, I think it was between 13 and 17, not 26, 13 and 17 years old. And his advocacy was we need to learn and listen. So I think there's things we old guys can bring to them and then there's things, I think an awful lot we have to learn from them. Some of the most thoughtful discussions I've had have been 20 something year olds. When it comes to coaching and there, you know, there's the underlying question, uh, Randy, that you're asking about, you know, not just age, but someone who says, hey, I'm a coach. Well, once again, this is where the inverse, uh, the converse of what I was just describing. Experience just comes into play. And you learn to loathe your gray hair and wrinkles. In this case, you uh, come to appreciate and apply them. And so you just fortunately through experience can bring a little bit more to the table. But I'm open completely. And if if uh, there's a future of our coaching, it would be coaching coaches. And I'm finding that our greatest joy of clients are the up-and-comers and the younger more and more are less gray haired and the new leaders of leaders are wonderful folks to work with. And I see them as being uh, coaches and I coach them on coaching increasingly.
0: love the amplification properties of that. Leaders of leaders, coaches of coaches. And I think that's the sort of stacked reality that those of us who have experienced it, that's the fun stuff. When you can see the ripple effect happen of of all of that. So if you were to, to kind of close our interview, we, we do nice and short ones so that people don't have to listen to, to our droning voices too long <laughs> uh, or our bad jokes, whatever it might be. But if you were to talk to, um, I've asked this a couple of times from different folks, uh, the optimistic view of the future versus the pessimistic view of the future, you know, how would you describe that in kind of a brief way?
2: I'll work on the brief part here. So part of being brief is a pause. Who was it? Mark Twain, who said, why did I write you a long letter? Cause I didn't have time to write a short one. Yeah. I, you know, I, my bias kicks into gear. I, I think that, I think optimism is the path. I think we're, we've got plenty of inbuilt fear. Don Miguel Ruiz writes, you either live in the path of love or the path of fear and if we allow ourselves to be pessimistic in doomsday we'll create our own reality there's some brain science behind this where if we have a feeling or a thought and then it turns into a story we tell ourselves the story that becomes the reality so i lean toward optimism that doesn't mean ridiculously blissfully blindly proceeding without some ground in reality to be informed is a service but to look at the possibilities and that's why the new podcast uh, Sue and our building is called the Possibility Zone and how to be in a place where we can create betterness and good things. If we focus on the negative, that's what's going to happen. That's all I've got. Well, I've got more, but I, I told you I will try to be brief. <laughs> so, um, yeah,
1: I, I, I appreciate the brevity. It was, um, well, it was not just brief, but it was actually meaningful. So uh, I, I, I do love, love that. I love people who are optimistic but understand there's challenges ahead of us and we can be optimistic about overcoming the challenges it's in my view not so good to be blindly optimistic so i think you you nailed that
2: yet i would say randy if i can interject mm. i'm going to put in a plug for a wee bit a wee bit oh of you can
1: plug Please. idealism
2: no, no i'm not plugging i'm plugging a concept and I think, there's, I think there's space for some idealism. You know, the, the, the greatest ideas that ever, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you know this. If you don't, you've heard the phrase, the best idea since sliced bread. Do you, you know that phrase? Yeah. Do, do you oh, know yes, it was yes. actually a lousy idea? It took 18 years to catch. Do you know why it was a lousy idea at first? No. Because the idea of sliced bread preceded plastic. And so slicing bread too often and frequently or early meant moldy bread faster. So True. so it took an idealistic and even a little dreamy and a little crazy, back to crazy and weird, idealism is an important ingredient sometimes to think of what's possible even though it's not practical. So that's my plug.
1: Love that. So I, I, I love that because I can remember my father slicing bread with a, a carving knife and he was really bad at measuring it. And it never fit, the bread never fitted into the toaster. <laughs> Many <Mini> loaves. <laughs> Many little loaves of yeah, bread. Yeah, <laughs> they, they never fitted into the toaster. So my morning <laughs> toast was always bread. So That's, there we go.
2: And, you know, hey, those experiences shape, shape our future, right? So you probably like really thin bread now.
1: Yeah, I do. Well, no, actually, I don't eat that much bread. So, anyway. <laughs> so, All right, guys. So, he- here's your chance, Craig. We like to keep these relatively short. This has been fabulous conversation. Now, I'd like you to tell people where they can find you, and let's have some fun. Why don't you tell me who you would love to speak to today? So, hmm. Okay, well, f- well first, uh, how to get a hold of me. Um,
2: if one would be interested in doing so, thankfully to you guys, being so clear on CatStrat and repeating it about 100 times and pointing out the dash in between. So, excuse me, it's cat-strat.com. Pretty simple. LinkedIn is a landing place for so many things. Craig Arthur James sounds a bit regal because that's my dad's... Rest his soul. His name, Arthur. My middle name, Craig Arthur James at LinkedIn. And you'll get to lots of other places. So please do visit. Would love to chat with you. No, any, no kind of push. I grew up in sales, but our, our sale is a soft one. So if you want to chat, I'm here. So your question about who would I want to talk with, illuminate for
1: me exactly what you're asking. If anybody could pick up the phone right now, who is the, who is the one person you would just love to spend half an hour chatting to? Hmm. This is kind of like that, who do you like at your dinner party question.
2: I think I pause because I'm, I'm sensitive to so much political stuff out there. And you name a name and very quickly it goes categorically in one bucket. Right. So I resist yeah. it. But I'm going to go there. I would love to chat with Barack Obama. I came real close to doing so in uh, during his campaign. Um, I would just like to hear not so much what he thinks, but learn more about how he thinks. Mm -hmm. The way he could articulate concepts and communicate and the qualifier here is as a politician, you know, that's tough territory. Um, I've done a little bit of work in the political space and, you know, it's fascinating how good politicians are about saying a bunch of stuff, don't say anything, it feels like. And for me, at least, Barack Obama was able to get through my brain and into my heart. And I'd like to figure out how to do that even better. I would love to chat with him for a half hour. So if you can set that up, that'd be great. Oh I'll,
1: I'll just
0: I'll just get on the phone. You
1: know, <laughs> text yeah, Barack if him, you you're listening. just text. Yeah, just text yeah. right. Yeah.
0: So that would be Barack. Answer. If you're listening, um, you can you can contact Craig. We'll give you his personal email. How's that? In the meantime, I like that idea of going through your brain into your heart. And Craig, you've done that with us today. You've snuck through my brain into my heart. This was fun. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for chatting with us. That means a lot, Kent. Thanks for sharing that with me. You just made my day. Glad to be here.
1: Well, thanks, Craig. Barack Obama, what an interesting choice of somebody to talk to. And I really loved the way you said, as did Ken, the way you said through your mind and into your heart. Political differences aside, it is important for us as people to experience the openness and the thought process of of others, even when we disagree with them, even if we agree with them. We need to open our minds and our hearts to hear what it's really saying. And so, today you challenged my thinking on a number of things. So, thanks very much, Craig. And Craig,
0: I think what's interesting about catalysts is that they, you know, often cause explosions. So, behind you, you talk about being a behind-the-scenes guy and somebody who doesn't. You know necessarily want to rock the boat and so on but just like you know with barack obama his team of advisors and any great politician their team of advisors they they cause little explosions everywhere and i know that your work has has done that and um will continue to do that
1: so if any of our listeners want to learn how to make small controlled explosions You could go to our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com and click on the link and I assure you the screen will not explode, but you will be taken to a little questionnaire that you can spend a minute filling out. We'll spend a minute sending back to you and hopefully your computer doesn't explode when it gets it.
0: I should put a disclaimer on that. It could be that your computer does explode. There is a small chance that it might explode. So please don't sue us if it does explode as a result of Randy's just total
1: flagrant disregard for legal precedent here. And if you don't like what Dr. Ken is saying right now, um, maybe we want to make your mind explode. But Mm. listen, you guys need to subscribe. Click the subscribe button below. Or if you really hate us, maybe you want to leave a comment and call us clowns or something. But uh, we'd love whatever it is that you do. Thanks for a little bit of cat strat fever. Talk to you soon.